Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Happy Monday. Welcome to Fantasy Sports today for the 18th of May. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia here with you as we cover everything right here on Sports Grid for you. 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern every single day. Follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Pizzapia17. Me on Twitter at Craig Mish at Sports Grid. That's how you get us. Good morning, Joe. What's going on on this Monday? How are you? Top of the morning to you, Craig Mish. It was a busy weekend. You know, we, we talked about, you know, are people going to start going out? Let me tell you something. I had a home DIY project, repainting the exterior outside, trying to make things nice. Since we can't really go anywhere, I figure it's going to be a long summer of barbecues and pool time at home. Everybody in town was at Lowe's. Everybody in town. Everyone's wow. wearing the mask. Everyone's social distancing. Craig, it was like a regular Saturday there. It was madness. Uh, so I guess people are less afraid than they were a month ago of being out. It was crazy. I could not believe it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I know that sports is coming back in a big way. Of course, we had uh, NASCAR over the weekend, and uh, later on in the week, we'll get another preview. Matt Sells will come back on the show, and we'll get that. But uh, really ironic, kind of strange, as we move into this, you know, people more out and doing things, that we're seeing more players getting arrested all over the place. I don't know what's going on. You know, maybe <laughs> yes. they're going stir crazy. I can't quite I figure know. it out. I mean, but if you go stir crazy, I mean, like, can you do anything else besides get arrested? Every day we get somebody else get arrested, and they're it's all strange in the NFL. I don't understand what's going on. This is the fourth guy, Cody Latimer. Uh, in fact, it's funny because I put in the show sheet for for today on Saturday. He's like, oh look, Cody Latimer, another one. And then I woke up and I was like, oh look, another guy. And Craig put it in there. It's it's crazy. I don't understand. There's there's got to be something left on Netflix to watch, no? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But yeah, I, I would think so. I mean, I have my share of things that I have not been able to watch yet, and I'm you know certainly going to get to it. Uh, as far as sports is going this weekend, well, look, you know, honestly, it's a little bit more of the same. We're, we're seeing some things start to open back up. I'm guessing uh, later this week, Joe, we're going to have a better idea as to uh, Major League Baseball's plan. And this is coming fast and furious. And, and I think this is the week that some decision is probably going to have to be made. We saw several reports before the weekend essentially saying and outlining how important all the testing is going to be and how important all the medical side of this is even before any of the debates even happened over the money. And so I think that is probably the discussion that's going to culminate with this week. Yeah, and I think as long as there's testing and as long as they have protocols in place for cleaning the locker rooms and social distancing with the media, I mean, for the players' perspective, I mean, they'd love to social distance from the media. Not you, of course. Present company excluded. Everybody loves you. Everybody knows that. But generally speaking, I mean, look, if as long as they have protocols and things in place, there's no reason to at least not try. And I know last week, I don't want to go over last week. Last week is over and done. Let's hope we're moving forward because – it seems like everybody's at Lowe's. So if everybody's at Lowe's, then why can't everybody, I don't know, go out there and play baseball? Because last time I checked, there's some distance, uh, you know, between the pitcher's mound and home plate. You know, maybe the catcher stands. Well, that's a good back. point. And that's the next point here is because the most curious thing of all that sort of leaked over the weekend is the idea of the pitcher to home plate, which essentially said, if you decide that you're going to get in a fight during the pandemic, you're going to be facing a very serious penalty. Now, look, they did not outline what, where, when, or how. And when things have been egregious and pitchers have thrown at players, 
they could a pitcher could be suspended for 10 games, maybe two starts. A hitter could be suspended for seven to 10 games. We've never seen longer than that, I don't think, or not a lot longer, at least. But, Joe, it sounds like if you get in a fight this time around, you're going to be missing a lot of time. Great point. It is. And you know what? I think we also have to look at it like this. You know, if you're missing a segment of time, let's say a week huge potentially for a team. So I think everyone, for the most part, will be in their best behavior. And you know what? If we're getting to a point in August and September where things look like everything's going on the up and up and things are going better – you know what? Somebody wants to throw some high cheese over here and somebody wants to get into it. Maybe that's a great sign that things are starting to go our way. But look, it, it, it is a situation where I hope we're moving forward because it should not be about money at this point. This should be about safety. Is it safe? OK, if it's safe, then let's move forward. If it's not safe, then they shouldn't move forward. But if it is, let us not make this about money. I know it's naive. Everything comes down to money in the end. But in a situation right now, what's going on in America, in this country, where so many people are unemployment, so many people have lost their jobs, lost businesses, all these things, taking a pay cut to go do your job is not the worst thing in the world because basically that's what most of the workforce has already done, if not worse. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I I think that cooler heads are going to prevail this week and we're going to end up finding out. Uh, The NHL, by the way, and this was, I, I find even more fascinating because it could set the blueprint potentially for what the NBA is going to do. And I'm not sure why it is different for the NHL as it would be for the NBA. But the NHL apparently is looking at a potential 24-team postseason plan, uh, essentially saying that they had not played enough of the season. They need to play a little bit more with the postseason. They would eliminate about a half a dozen teams, and that would be it. But all of these plans essentially include more playoffs. We've seen it now with the NHL. They talked about it with Major League Baseball as well. And uh, and I think, look, anything for the NHL to garner more interest, too, is pretty cool. Yeah. Bryce Harper actually had an interesting uh, social media post. I'm kind of going to use it to the NHL where he's talking about, you know, just some thoughts and ideas he had, which is good because at least he's having thoughts and ideas about, you know, actually playing baseball. And one of them was about how if you're going to extend the season longer and playoffs go longer then starting later the following year. So guys have the proper rest and everything, which is is fair. And if that happens, I wonder then how we're going to bump everything else. And if we do get NHL playoffs all through the summertime, well, maybe NHL doesn't start in what October. Maybe it does start later. Same thing with the NBA. I've always said I wish the NBA would start a little later. Personally, uh, I you just know, feel it's like- interesting because a lot of people feel that way. But Adam yeah. Silver, basically the first thing that he said was we are not starting the season late. So I, I don't know. Like, th- like basically that was uh, that was the one thing that he said. Well, we're not going to spite the next season for this season. And if that's I, the, I guess I part of that reasoning is because they, but the fear Joe, losing 20 games yeah. in the NBA and losing 10 home games. You know how much money owners are losing? For that, yeah. just just so they could get the rest of the season in. And by the way, they're not making some teams aren't even going to make money off the playoffs in the NBA. So, well, I guess there's also the fear of, you know, if you push things back and then things don't go well as you get later into the fall, if things do resurface, as there's a lot of fear about, then that could really skew you back. So I get that. It is this is probably the most fascinating time in the world to have a sports talk show. I'm very glad that we have one that you and I get to come here and talk. And I understand that. It's How was the last for- month? Was it fascinating? Uh, well, I wasn't here with you, so I can't speak to it. I mean, I had diamond bets. We're <laughs> it was not a, that fast. Grand old time. We're at a grand old time. But what's what's potentially ahead of us in these next weeks and months ahead could be some of the greatest, most bizarre sports stuff we've oh, ever yeah, seen. The future is going to be awesome. Yeah, the future is going to be wacky <laughs> at the very least. Awesome. Well, we'll I, I mean, the one thing that I that I've said to people is is you know, and, and not just because we're sports graded. You know, I'm very 
people know me by now. I'm transparent with all this stuff. It's true. But I can tell you that this fall is going to be the biggest uh, sports betting season we've ever seen in the world. Like, Absolutely. ever. And it's not even going to be close. I think fantasy will be right there, too. I think yeah. I think anything that engages you with with this, with television, is going to be a monster. And, and that goes for anything in life. Uh, packages, buying online, buying, uh, you know, uh, the ability to watch all the games, whatever they're calling it, um, MLB's ticket or Sunday ticket or extra innings, I'm sorry. A any way that you can engage mm -hmm. in sports because you can't go out and go to the games. A lot of people are going to still be unwilling to go to bars and restaurants to watch those games. You're going to be at home. Yeah. And you're going to be at home and you're going to want action. And so... Starting in, let's just say, July, which seems to be, I don't think we're going to see any sports, unfortunately, in June, other than what we're seeing now. Maybe a little golf. You saw NASCAR yesterday, maybe some UFC. And let's be honest, that's great that that's all happening. And that's great that's giving us some content and it's fun to talk about. But let's, it's a very small share of what sports, the, the big pie chart. Like it's 5%, 10% of the interest in the country is built up of all the sports, by the way, if you combine them of the ones that are going on now. We're talking about the major sports coming yeah. back. Well, it's also people how people are going to connect, bet. too. They're, they're going to connect, like you said, not just the wagering, but also the fantasy space, too, because people aren't going out. It's one of those things that does keep people together and one of those entertainment things you can have from home. And people are going to have to create some entertainment for themselves, whether it be wagering, fantasy sports, whatever it is, all the above, some of the above. It is definitely going to happen. And I think you are actually going to get some people who have not played fantasy baseball in a long time, kicking the tires on this particular fantasy baseball and season. And hockey and happen. basketball. And hockey and basketball as well, especially if there's a playoff format as well Absolutely. to go through and they set up some fun ways to do that. So it's going to be up to a lot of uh, a lot of the, the sites as well, the host sites, to adapt quickly to this, whether it be CBS, ESPN, the daily sites, whatever it might be, FanDuel. It's going to be fascinating to watch their reaction to this, too, because if they do it properly, it is going to really enhance all of our enjoyment of what is going to be the strangest year in sports. Be you know, somebody asked me the other day, uh, you know, just for business, you know, in terms of wagering and in terms of this show, a very interesting question. Well, two part question is, first of all, do you think that you'll be helped or hurt with no fans going to games? I'm like, well, the obvious question is we'll be helped. And then the follow-up to that is like, so how do you feel about that? How do you feel that fans' inability to be able to go to the games as a direct result is going to give you more viewership, more listenership, um, mm. and more interest? And, it's and a look, complicated it's, question, man. It's it is, because it's not you. something that I want. I would rather the country be back. I'd rather my kids be able to go to camp and play Little League and do all sure, these things. But And they will someday. And they will. I mean, I think someday. that's the thing. <laughs> They will. Someday these things will happen. Someday. And, and MLB needs to stop the blackouts, too, with the streaming services. That is something they need to eliminate this year. Yeah, I mean, We've all these enough. will get sorted out. Eh, let us hope so. But that is, that is a complicated question. But It is. Because, well, look, I, I mean, and also when you think financially, how much it costs we're better off with no fans. Well, yeah, I mean. It's true. <laughs> well, look, it costs You're a lot. You're better off with no minute. fans. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think. Oh, you absolutely fans, are. Are you kidding me? I can't go to a game. Well, that's fine. I'll get a black book and just read about fantasy. <laughs> no, come on. Don't don't uh, be. Well, honest. it's better than getting the purple book anyway. Well, that's right? not the. Well, the purple book's still in production. Yeah, I'm. I'm telling you, I'm not saying that it's something that you could root for. It's like it, you know a similar situation. It's like the the player that's in the minor leagues that's that can't get to the big leagues, and the only way that he gets to the big leagues is if if the guy gets hurt, right? Mm -hmm. and it's not something that you're supposed to root for. They call it bad mojo in baseball. 
But you know that when that guy gets hurt, you're the first one that they're going to call, and you go up to the major leagues, and you got your shot as a result of something bad that happened to somebody else. How do you you got to make the most of it? And I think that we are in a position here at SportsGrid where it's not what we signed up for, and it's certainly not what we expected. But this is the this is the life that we're given, and so we are. Are the you saying people. we're finally in the right place at the right time, you and I? I wouldn't go that far. Uh, let's not go that far. I don't know if we want to go that far with that. No. That's a lot to ask. But let let let's let's hope that we do get Kraus back. Let's let's hope that these things do happen because I think it does matter. And and you know what? I understand it's very it's very difficult for people to go to games. It's very cost prohibitive for a lot of people to go to games. It's not like it used to be where it's very easy. You could buy a ten dollar ticket and just go sit wherever you want. It is not like that nowadays. And we're and, free here, Sports Grid. How and about we are free. And so we'll but, see what happens. But while we are free, we do have sponsors that mm -hmm. take care of us so we can do this every day with you. So let's take care of our sponsors here as we take a quick time out. And then we come back on Fantasy Sports today with our This Day in Fantasy Sports and our Fantasy Sports birthdays for this Monday. You're watching Sports Grid's Fantasy Sports Today with Craig and Joe. And we're right back after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It is May the 18th, 2020. It's time for this day in fantasy sports history. And also we tackle all of the fantasy sports birthdays. We had a banner weekend with a lot of really good names that are really good things happening. And your favorite event is, is this time of the year, Joe, the Preakness. A lot of good Preakness information. I know that you, you're craving horse racing right now. Yep, that's what I'm craving. Horse racing. Can't get enough of the horse racing. That's what I want. Hey, look, if people enjoy it, I want them to enjoy it. That's great. But anybody who can go out there and give you all this information, and they really think they're telling you something about horses. I just find it hard to believe personally. But, you know, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Do you enjoy the ponies? Do you you enjoy the, uh, you know, the, the horse race? Do you like the track there, Craig Mitch? Uh, you know, I, I don't go that often, but I but I come from a background where I used to go and my dad used to go and I, lived <laughs> I didn't know where you're going with that for a second. I was like, I come from a background of jockeys. I, I come from a background say. of picking up poop. No, but it's, it's a great, uh, <laughs> I, I think it's a great release. I live as close as you possibly can to Gulfstream park, which is one of the elite places in all of the country. So I certainly respect it for many years. I've gone, I've watched, it's not something that is on my mind every day. I would say the last 10 Kentucky Derbies, I've gone to the track and put the bet in probably five times, I would say. Yeah, I mean, go. about half the time I go over to the track, get my ticket down, put 20 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever, and, and do it. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of all of this and how wagering is getting larger and larger, do you think that some states that don't allow wagering online, that that is going to somehow change as more revenue needs 
to happen and more people are at home because that it's seems possible. to make sense. It's, just, it's possible it's just not fast. That's no, God, no. But I, I'm wondering if they're looking at it saying, hey, this is a stream we really need to consider and maybe it's time. It's working in other places, certainly working in New Jersey. I, I can tell you that. Point. New Jerseyite. Yeah, I would say it's a fair point. Why it's legal in New Jersey and not in New York is a little Everything's bit Everything's legal in Jersey. Yeah, come on. I, I don't get it. But yeah, I mean, I would love to have it here in Florida too. But um, I would say I would say it's a fair point. And I would say that you're probably on the right track with that. But the track is long and slow with it sports is. betting. It just, it's, look how long it took us to get to PAPSA. Um, okay, so this day in fantasy sports, we got the 18th of May. We'll start off with one that, hey, look, you know, sometimes I learn things on this show, too. Uh, Tigers' Larry Herndon, good outfielder from the past, hit his fourth consecutive home run. At the time, he was the 14th player in Major League Baseball to do that. Of course, uh, Don Mattingly uh, had a streak also where he hit a lot of uh, home runs in a row as well. Six, but that, I think? Well, in games, six games in a row. Um but yeah, that's that seems like it's kind of hard to do four straight uh, at bats with a homer. I guess it depends if you're facing a weak pitching staff, and but yeah, it seems like everything has I to line up. On that. All the stars have to align, I think, for that to happen. So, but the Don Manley streak, I remember the the games in a row. Uh, that was definitely a summer in the late '80s, I believe. I want to say like '87, '88, or somewhere like that, where I think it was six or seven games in a row, and I want to say part of it was in Texas, but that was. That was a crazy stuff. He'd be watching again every night. Did he hit a home run? Just like we were talking about that Paul Molitor thing, how different we consume sports that if you didn't have that game, depending on where you were that day, you know, where you were location wise, the only way you could find out is by going to the source. Like where's sports center? What's going on? You know, no Twitter feeds, none of that stuff. So it's amazing how different things are now, but uh, I think better. That's for sure. Yeah, very, very true. All right, uh, let's move on to 2002. As we mentioned, War Emblem, Kentucky Derby winner, Preakness winner, not Belmont winner. Uh, one of Joe's favorite horses of all time, War Emblem, won the 127th Preakness Stakes on this day. So I know you're a huge fan of War Emblem. I tried to get him on the show, but he was very busy. Well, I, I heard he's, you know, a bit of a jerk. So that's not surprising. Yeah, he was, he was uh, busy with another horse. <laughs> Getting busy in, with another horse, maybe. Yeah. In sir. 2002, we got the first of what would turn out to be maybe the most epic trilogy in the history of boxing. I would probably say that it was. Uh, Ward versus Gotti won. Ring, the Ring called it the fight of the year. Um, I would tell you that all three fights were incredible. I remember watching all three. I met Mickey Ward at the Boxing Hall of Fame. Um, talked to him extensively about it. I, I think that they probably have done some sort of documentary on it. If they haven't, they need to do another one. There were nothing like these fights, Joe. It, it would, and unfortunately, Arturo Gatti was, uh, died or passed away. I don't know exactly what happened. It was a little complicated. But um, an amazing trilogy of fights. Best I've ever seen. Yeah, they were. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember what the circumstances were of Arturo Gatti's passing because I know they were complicated, to yeah, say the least. I think he was killed or yeah. stabbed. It was, Some, it was very bizarre like stuff happened. at the end of him. Yeah, yeah. And but even yeah I went to the Boxing is, Hall of Fame right after they uh -huh. fought for the third time. Yeah, and well, the, the fights were the fights were tremendous. But even weirder, too, you know, like six degrees of separation, a friend of mine from high school was actually his girlfriend at the time of his passing. So in terms of like, you know, weird, like six degrees of things where, you know, yeah. when you in certain areas, but uh, I just remember when that happened and I remember, you know, social media posts, I think, because it was like early social media stuff even then uh, of her and stuff like that. And just like, wow, that's that's a 
that's a lot to deal with, <laughs> you know, in terms of in terms of uh, when you have tragic losses like that, especially when right. you're dating someone in the public eye. But uh, Gotti was a hell of a fighter, and and you know it's funny we were, we were also talking boxing stuff last week, and you know we're kind you of saw what happened, right? You saw what the the result of all that was. Well, all of what? With the whole Tyson thing, what that was all for? I, I didn't I didn't realize that it was all a ploy. What was the ploy for? I did see but him on other things. He's but, fighting Holyfield. Oh, he is. Okay. Well, yeah, there you go. So the two of them will get back together again. Well, he's also making an appearance. I thought you were alluding to the fact he was also making an appearance with AEW this weekend as well on their pay-per-view. So um, there you go. No, so I, Mike Tyson venturing uh, into the world of wrestling again. They're going to fight each other somewhere. I'm not sure where, but Holyfield's back in training, and, and that's the idea. But we missed these fights, too. I mean, the, the weight classes, it wasn't just the heavyweights, too. That That's what this tells you. I mean, even as late as 2002, we had – some real, you know, stars in, in boxing. Oh, yeah, that's just, time, sure. 20 years later, it's just, I can't so, name who the middleweight champion is. Can you? No. No, exactly. No. All right, 2004, we'll end here. Randy Johnson throws baseball's 14th perfect game as uh, as he wins 2 to nothing over the Atlanta Braves. And that's this day in fantasy sports. Nothing I love that. In the last 15 years. Can I, can I tell you how much I love it? You know, you're a fantasy guy. You know, when you have a player, when a certain thing happens, I had Randy Johnson in my big home league, my big cash league for this start. And I remember facing the guy, a friend of mine, you know, during this game, and he was winning by a fair amount before this. And this start happened and I just blew him out. And he was so mad because he he was in these things where every year he would lose to me and you'd be mad about it. And I remember this day specifically because he was like, I've got you now. I got you now. And then Randy Johnson goes out there. That was a perfect game. And I can't remember how many strikeouts he had, but he had a lot. I just remember that. But geez, I'm, I'm guessing he probably did. Why is it you remember? I remember Braden Looper blowing an incredible save in September with the Marlins and that winning me a championship. It's amazing. The stupid things you can remember because of it's fantasy true. sports oh yeah and and gambling and gambling too yeah and all right uh this day in fantasy sports history we hit now let's take care of our birthdays for may 18th in the past a pretty solid list we'll start off in 1937 still alive today brooks robinson who still lives in maryland when you associate joe the baltimore orioles uh, with a player it used to be Brooks Robinson forever. Of course, it is now Cal Ripken, but I would say they're 1A and 1B. Brooks Robinson, the human vacuum cleaner at third mm. base, probably the best defensive third baseman of all time. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get any argument out of that either. And he became a pretty good hitter as well. He wasn't a, wasn't a terrible hitter. Really good hitter. Wasn't the MVP hitter that Mike elite. Schmidt was. Yeah, but I mean, that came, that came along with time too. He wasn't out of the gate, you know, Mike Schmidt, George Brett kind of hitter. But Brooks Robinson did certainly... Uh, give you some memorable moments in that world series against the reds to that that one world series where he made all of those spectacular catches and throwing guys out from basically the foul you know in foul territory throwing guys out was crazy but uh brooks robinson certainly you know i mean it's hard to always stop cal ripken because he's become this iconic legend with the streak but up until then brooks robinson was that guy and i think that was pretty easy to say he was mr oriole until cal I agree. All right, 1946, Reggie Jackson was born. What can you say? There's a million things we could say about Reggie Jackson. But the bottom line is that, man, I mean, you would never think 56, 76, 86. I mean, Reggie Jackson is like a player in my childhood is getting really old. 
it is. Hey, man, when they, when they show some of these things where it's like, oh, let's look at the 1986 Mets, and then you see them now, and you go, oh, my God, look at all the gray hair and all the th- You never think Reggie's that's going to be 80 soon. But I think he, Reggie was also one of the first guys that got how to work the media. You know, in this new day and age where he could say things in the media or do certain things or, you know, he understood press and he understood his press and he understood the difference of those two things. And that's a special, unique thing when you look forward and you see what that relationship between players and the media has become over the years. Back in the day, media used to protect the players. And then Reggie, you know, kind of came along and I don't think he was protected by the media, but Reggie also knew how to work it. You know, he knew how to smile and do one thing and then be a whole other guy in the clubhouse sometimes. And that is, uh, he's a fascinating character. One of the great characters in baseball. He came to South Florida, uh, not this spring, but last spring. I did 15 minutes with him. Pretty good stuff. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure even now he's still a great interview, right? He is. I wish he would respond to me. He doesn't respond to a lot of my texts. Like, Well, you're in, you to, Re, uh, to uh, Reggie Jackson is me to war emblem. I think we've established that. He just doesn't respond. So. I don't know why. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to text him for his birthday and see what happens. Happy birthday. Uh, yeah. Yannick Noah, great tennis player, of course, the father of Joachim Noah. Yannick Noah is also very good in his own right in tennis, but played in an era right before tennis started getting hot with all the big names like Connors and McEnroe and Lendl and those guys. Uh, Marty McSorley, great defensive player in the NHL. Do not want to leave Marty McSorley's name out for sure. Happy birthday to him and the former Heisman Trophy Award winner who had a fledgling NFL career who since has sold a lot of the stuff that he's had kind of an unfortunate ending. I think a little bit for Vince Young. I wish things would have ended better for him. Do you think it was a matter of not being in the right place, you know, ending up where he ended up getting drafted? Do you think it was a matter of him not being prepared for how different the NFL was going to be? Because there were some questions about the work ethic, questions about shape, question about all these other things. But I think you put them all in. Is it all in there? That's that's sad. You can't have the kind of success that Young had in the first eight games of his career when he came in. He was unstoppable in the NFL for about eight games. And then that was it. So. My guess is that it was the raw talent that got him so far in college that got him through those first eight games in the mm. NFL. By the way, Michael Vick did the same thing in the NFL. He wasn't throwing. He was just running around for the first right. few games. And uh, you have to adjust. And, well, and he was running around for the first few years before people really figured out Michael Vick. Very, very true. But Vick had to stop doing it. He couldn't do it as he much. Did. I mean, that, 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 and that was a part of it. But either way, look, we're not going to rip Vince Young on your birthday. Happy no, birthday, Vince not Young. At all. Not at all. Uh, have yourself a great day. Hey, all right, the uh, greatest college football game ever. Absolutely. All right, let's uh, take a quick time out on Fantasy Sports Today. When we come back, we've got a season in baseball history to discuss. Also, some futures in the NFL a little bit later. This is Fantasy Sports Today, right here on Sports Grid. Craig and Joe, we're back right after this. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. And welcome back to FST. Craig and Joe here with you as we've got our historical look back today at a Major League Baseball season that we all remember 
And uh, today, Joe, we're going to go really far back in time for us, uh, for a lot of people that are probably watching this. They weren't even around for this period of time. But this was really when, you know, for, for kids who were born in the 70s, where baseball really sort of came to life, kind of around the time, honestly, where uh, the Mets and Yankees were really good teams at that time. Um, Yankees kind of coming out of being really good, Mets starting to get real good. And we know that the sports is kind of New York-centric as it is. I feel like this was a big part of it. Yeah, and it's funny because as a child, this is my, I believe, let's see, I would be six years old. And um, this was my first real memories of baseball is 1984. And that that's why I picked it. So I'll ask you what yours is, and we'll maybe do that later in the week. But 1984 is my first real cognitive awareness of baseball. Dwight Gooden's debut was a huge deal in New York City. A couple of years later, Dwight Gooden was literally on the side of a building in Manhattan. People forget that. There was a mural of Dwight Gooden on a skyscraper in Manhattan. That's how important baseball is at the time in New York City. This is also the Tigers in the great run here, the great run against the San Diego yeah. Padres, a team you don't see in the World Series very often. Last time they were in the World Series was 1998. It's a long time ago. Uh, but they actually were just replaying this World Series uh, a few weeks ago on MLB Network, and they played it in its entirety. And I watched a good chunk of a bunch of the games. And what was so thrilling to me was how different the game was when someone got on base. Everybody seemed to want to steal a base. Even if you looked at the guy like, that guy doesn't seem like he's going to steal a base. All of a sudden, as soon as someone was on base, the game seemed compressed. There, all of a sudden, everything was looking. There was hit and runs. There were things going on. There was bunting people over. There were squeeze plays. It was so different and so, I don't want to say nerve-wracking, but exciting. And it was something that I had to sit back and go, my God, I miss this. I miss this style of baseball. This was baseball that I fell in love with. It wasn't station to station. It was this kind of baseball. And of course, that incredible World Series where you had uh, Kirk Gibson hitting that home run off Goose Gossage, who was pitching for the Padres by then, one of the great moments there. But a lot of people forget, Craig, that the Tigers beat the Kansas City Royals to get there. And people forget how good those Royals teams were in the late 70s into the early 80s, man. Those teams with George Brett and Frank White and Hal McCray, all those guys, those teams were yeah. bangers, man. They were terrific. Didn't they win the World Series in 85 they, next year? They did. They won the World yeah. Series the next year in 85. Beat the uh, That's the Don Denkinger game where they beat the Cardinals. Uh, but uh, looking forward to uh, that year, obviously, the MVP was a Tiger. And it was a pitcher, Craig, a left-handed pitcher named Willie Hernandez. You don't get a lot of MVPs from pitchers. This is one of the rare seasons. So, uh, well, do you have any memories of Willie Hernandez and this MVP? I award? do. In fact, we had the uh, historical league that we played recently on Out of the Park Sports, and, ah. um, and I drafted Willie Hernandez. There you go. In 1984, that was a yeah. What would you have to spend on him? A second round pick? Or it was what? a draft. It was oh, just a draft. Snake draft. Gotcha. Uh, Ryan Sandberg was the National League MVP that year, too. This is also, I think, the beginning of Ryan Sandberg being Mr. Cub from that era as well. Uh, a lot of people also forget that he started out his career with who, Craig? What team? The Phillies. That's right. Do you remember who he was traded for? A little bit of trivia? Phillies, Cubs. Oh, I do. It's at the tip of my tongue. He ended up managing the team. I'll give you a hint. He ended up managing the Phillies for many, many years and getting thrown out of many, many games. Boa. Larry Boa. That's yeah. right. Larry Boa. Well done, sir. Uh, Cy Young Awards that year. Uh, obviously, Willie Hernandez got both awards. Pretty pretty good year for Willie Hernandez. But I don't remember a lot of Willie Hernandez after 1984. But Rick Sutcliffe with the Cubs, 
Uh, he had come over from the Indians and yeah, was an was integral part. And I of had that. Sutcliffe too in that league as well. Ah, uh-huh. Sutcliffe had one of the great beards in baseball too. I think we he can did. all agree on that. It was a he terrific did. beard. Rookie of the year like that Rick year. Yeah, <laughs> who doesn't? Uh, Alvin Davis of the Mariners, who was yes. a stalwart there for some bad Mariners teams, and of course Dwight Gooden. You know, we talked about Steven Strasburg's debut a few weeks ago, and uh, the only one that I can remember that was as electrifying was Dwight Gooden. Not in the first start, but just in the run that he had, where he just kind of captured everybody. Uh, in your mind, who else is in that conversation besides, let's say, Strasburg in the beginning, Dwight Gooden? Is there anybody else for you that kind of pops to mind? Like electric uh, at the, first at the beginning of his career. Yeah, electric first run pitchers. Um, I mean Fernando. Fernando's a good one. That is a really good one. I I forgot about the Fernando mania. That's for sure. Yeah, uh, Madrid. I, I know. Year. I mean, I I don't really remember it, but I know that Fidrich was like that. Right. Yes, I've seen some Perfect. of the uh, the footage there. That's. I, I always feel like that's a special thing. That's the one thing about pitching. Because it doesn't really- happen. It's really hard to get that. I mean, it, it's so amazing. We play fantasy every year, and every year it's like like last year. It's like, oh, we got to get Lazardo. I'm like, I mean, have you guys not learned your lesson with rookie pitching? <laughs> it, it is – listen, that's not to say it never happens. Because it But does. I would say you would go through – oh, Brett gave us a good one too, Mark Pryor. That was yeah, excellent. One. That was a good one. Um, the last te- – if you go through 10-year periods, you're going to get one. There's no question. Someone is going to come up. And they're going to light the world on fire, and they're going to be the next Kershaw, right? Or Scherzer. It's going to happen. But it's like one out of 10. It, it like never had. Like, I know who the last one was. Yeah. It's Jose Fernandez. I mean, that was the last one. But yeah. we haven't had one since then. And well, I don't know that we'll get another one. That's the magical thing about pitching, too, is they can, you know, Dontro Willis had a little run there, Dontro too. Dontro Willis was when the he same. first started. Whereas must see television. I love that. And that's something that's unique to pitchers because you know that guy's starting at night. You know you could tune in, and you know what's going to happen. Whereas the hitter, well, you got to watch every game, you got to watch every at bat. But the pitcher, you know, oh, it's Friday night. Dontro Willis is on the mound. I want to watch and see what happens. But and, he was and I'll tell guy. you, in my history of going to all the games at the old stadium, um, football stadium, where mm-hmm. the Marlins used to play, right. and I went to the World Series there in '97 and 2003. Without question, '97 and '03. Let's not, let's not be silly here. When those games were going on, there were 60, 70,000. But the third biggest event ever was I'll never forget Dontra Willis pitching I think it was a Friday or Saturday night and I just remembered covering the game driving to the game like it's no big deal you know and getting to the game and thinking I could get there at 645 even though Willis and and I could not park in yeah. the 60,000 yeah. and I'm like what in it for, for it was people here for it Willis? was electric like, it, it was, was electric man it was crazy maybe we'll have to pull that season up that might have to be another one we talk about uh that year statistically speaking Don Mattingly was starting to become an absolute star in New York as well, not just Dwight Gooden. 1984 was his second year, I believe, and he hit 343 that year. Tony Gwynn won the batting title in the National League, 351. You don't really see 351 very often in the big leagues nowadays. Different game. Here's another blast from the past in the American League. Leading the American League in home runs and RBI that year, Tony Armas of the Boston Red Sox. Tony Armas had some good seasons there with the Oakland A's and with the Red Sox. But there's a name from yesteryear. In the National League, it was Dale Murphy and Mike Schmidt, both with 36, and Gary Carter and Mike Schmidt with 106. So Schmidt had to share both of those titles there. And, of course, the stolen bases, you've got Ricky Henderson leading the league with 66, and Tim Raines besting him with 75. Again, numbers that you just don't see. It's amazing how different baseball is. No, and and look, uh, look, Ricky Henderson – 
got in the Hall of Fame, not just based on stolen bases. You could say a large part of Lou Brock's game were stolen bases. Mm -hmm. And yes, they were very good hitters as well, no doubt. But you're just you're not going to see that anymore. I mean, yeah. maybe the game will change. Maybe hey. all of a sudden <laughs> there'll be 10 Whit Merrifield. But maybe it, it, it doesn't feel like it. And if that's the case, the days of, of us looking at it later on the show, we'll go over some future Hall of Famers. But the days of like, oh, wow, this guy stole 500 bases over the course of his career. It's like gone. It's like how many home runs did he hit? That's yeah. It. Well, it's a very different game. Also, something you'll never see. Uh, Dwight Gooden leading the league in strikeouts as a rookie with 276. You don't see that very often as well. I mean, just talked about rookies. We can't even get them to make, you know, to go five innings, let alone no. strike out 276 guys. That's a number you're not going to see. It's funny, on the other end, a big drastic drop-off. Mark Langston led the American League with just 204. So it's a pretty big divide, 72 strikeouts between yeah, the In the leagues. 80s, if you go back and you look at the 80s, because I did the draft from 1980 to 1989, I was in that one, you'll see several 200-inning pitchers several 20-game winners, mm -hmm. several pitchers completing 15, 20 games in a season, oh, and, yeah. no one strike, and no one striking anybody out. No, just because they, no they because the strikeout, it wasn't all about that. It was about pitching to contact, getting guys out. You had defense, and you played baseball. And like we talked about Jack Morris, why I love Jack Morris, who, by the way, he didn't strike out anybody. Pitcher. No, and he was also the best pitcher on that team that won the World Series in 1984, the Detroit Tigers. And why? Because... When Jack Morris needed a strikeout, he got one. But he didn't need to strike everybody out to prove everything. He was about W's. Mike Boddicker was also about W's. He won 20 games he that won year. A, I, I had Boddicker in this league, too, that we're talking about. And guess what? He struck out nobody. He got Yeah, but he got screwed. But he also led the league in ERA, and he didn't get the uh, Cy Young because of darn Willie Hernandez. And Listen, then there's Bob Tewksbury in the 80s pitched 250 <laughs> innings with an ERA under three and struck out 70 guys. <laughs> I remember Tewks very well. Same. I know. Very, very difficult. Uh, Joaquin Andahar, speaking of uh, some other Good crazy pitchers, really uh, the craziest guy that I ever remember was Joaquin Andahar. I mean, Pascual Perez was a little nutty too, but Joaquin Andahar, my youth, I remember going, that guy's nuts. You know, all the finger wagging and the things he would do and the shenanigans, but he won 20 games that year as well. Uh, but you you look back in years like this in baseball and just so many great memories of so many great names. The beginning, like you said, of the renaissance of the Mets, the Yankees building on uh, not only uh, Dave Winfield, but also uh, Don Mattingly as well. But sure. you had all these other teams in these smaller markets that were very competitive, like the Detroit Tigers. You had teams like the Royals. You had a lot uh, of different uh, teams that were very exciting and yes, there were less teams. There was also that time where the divisions were enormous and there was something about, I remember you'd go to the ball game and I remember at Chase Stadium, they'd flash, here's the national league East. And it was like 15 teams. I know, but it was, it was kind of fun to back in the day to have that. I'm exaggerating. It wasn't 15, but it just seemed like a lot. It was like 10 teams in the division or something like that at the time, something like that. Yeah. And, and you got to look back at the teams that won the world series that year and think that they had it a lot harder because they didn't have to run through any wild cards. It was essentially, you know, you had to have the best record to get in, in the East and the West. And that was it. Yeah. And also and Hall of Famers. That, and there's a year in the nineties yep. where, the Giants, wasn't it the Giants and Braves both won 100 games, one didn't get in or something like that? Yeah. Something. Oh, it, I mean, the Mets also, I think, one year too. They won 98 or something, 80, 87. They had a lot of injuries, and then they made a really nice flurry at the end. I think they went close to 100 games and then couldn't, uh, unfortunately, make it to the playoffs because Cardinals just won more. But 
Uh, crazy times where divisions really mattered, and you had the rivalries because of it, which I miss. Real quick, Baseball Hall of Famers that year, Louis Aparicio, Don Drysdale, Harmon Kilgrew, Pee Wee Reese, and Rick Farrell. They were all getting into the Hall of Fame in 19. All of them passed away. What a shame. None of them alive. That sucks. We're old, Craig. We're old. Mm. But we're still here. So let's, you know. <laughs> we're, all, right. we're still here. That's the good news. We're not dead. Not all dead. right. Coming up next, we're going to take a look at some of the potential predictions, how one national newspaper sees the NFL. with some of their sentiments you're watching fantasy sports today craig and joe with you here as we take a quick time out we're back with more fantasy sports today in just two minutes don't go away dailyrodo.com Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Uh, Joe and I, coming up, will have a look at a couple of NFL futures. We're actually, we've gone through a lot of these teams, so I think today may be our last time going over it because we basically saved, I think, potentially one of the best teams for last as we go over the Baltimore Ravens a little bit later in the show. But the USA Today, late last week, Joe, came out with their projections for the 2020 NFL season, and again... Still five months to go here. Long time. A lot of things can happen. But in looking at it and looking at their standings, and we're going to discuss some of it here a little bit, I didn't really have a huge problem with a lot of it. And some of it, remember, you are a publication. You need clicks. And you have to be a little bit controversial about a couple of teams. I mean, you just you just have to do that. It's, right. it's, un- it's like what we do. We draw people in to watch our show. I mean, you, ha- you have to come up with these sort of gimmicks and sort of these ideas. You mean people don't just tune in for our winning personalities? No. No, they don't. No. Well, you got they me. I thought that's why good. I was here. I was here to add sex appeal. That's what they told me. Uh, Greg said, you got to go in there with Mish. Add a little sexy time to the show. That's, 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 that's why I'm here. You know, in the middle of the day, people need this. They need the beautiful bald head. This is what happens. They need this. Uh, there are some things, though, that, you know, they, they you could say that USA Today got me to bite on the clickbait a little bit because, I mean, if you look at a little bit here, just starting with the AFC West. I didn't, I didn't think it was that far off. It wasn't that far off, except for one. I only there's, saw one team that I thought was really far off. Oh, there's one for me, which I don't see how the Chargers are 9-7 and seven with Tyrod Taylor at quarterback. I just don't. And yeah, if, but that's not a big deal. Though. Well, but I think that's that's the first one to me where I, I look at it and I say, OK, right, Chiefs but, at 12 OK, so then what? So basically, OK, so let's set the barometer here. For OK, this. if you think that there are three or four wins off, then let's get into it. But if you don't think it's three or four wins off, then remember, this is pretty much the line. The Vegas line is going to be right around what they're saying here. They're only egregiously against Las Vegas's line or Las Vegas. Let's say FanDuel. They're egregiously against FanDuel's lines only on about a couple of teams. But most of the other teams are, you know, sort of where they are. 
Yeah. Oh, well, there, there's a few. And I think almost not every division, but certainly a few divisions where you kind of look at it and you just, I, I, I like so the, the Chargers you got with six wins, essentially, right? Oh, the Chargers, I think, are definitely a six-win team. hundred percent, okay, so especially so if they three, do so make three, that three, transition. Three, a, a plus or minus three, I think that's fair. Yeah, to, I think the New York five. Giants is a plus or minus three, too. I do not see the Giants being a two and 14 team. I, I That was one of them that I that I thought that, that should have gotten a boost of a couple of wins. I mean, how how in the world are the Redskins a 5 and 11 team, but the Giants who just had an outstanding draft have Saquon Barkley who is one of the best players on the planet? How are they a 2 and 14 team? I just I don't get that. They're looking for clicks, it's possible, but I agree with you on that one in particular. The, the Chargers I don't have a huge issue with because again, if they're 8 and 8 it wouldn't shock me. So it's I, I I didn't see it that way. The Have two you seen teams, Tyrod Taylor at the quarterback position much. Yeah, he was good with Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo was a very good defensive team, and they made they, you know that was also when they were just handing the ball off to McCoy a lot. It was okay, okay at best, but I don't know. I'm I, it would know, shock no one if the Chargers were eight and eight. No one shocking, no. But I'm not going to go nine and seven. I think that's, I, know, I mean, that's not that far off. Okay. So, all right, let's, so, let's so the giants, you, you, you know, that's one that, okay. Like their win totals around five, that's like three off. That's a major one, but it's not the biggest major one that, and I'm not saying by the way that I agree or disagree with any of these. I'm just essentially what I'm looking at is when FanDuel puts out a, a season win total and you are four or five wins or losses off what they're saying you have to do a deeper dive and say, hey, where did Vegas get it wrong here? You know, where are the odds makers so wrong here? And to me, the one is the Bears. I mean, they basically are telling you that they are, they're off mo more egregiously than any team uh, on any line. No one has the Bears going 3-13 and 13 or 4-12 and 12 or 5-11 and 11 or 6-10. and 10. Some have 7-9, and 8-8. Nine, eight and eight. Three and 13 for the Bears? The worst team in the NFL, essentially? See, now that I can see. I could see that happening. I could see the Bears being the situation. Three and thirteen. I I think when you look at three and thirteen teams, the thing that you have to look at and say is there implosion because you have to implode to win three games in the NFL. I mean, you just have to, and it starts at the quarterback position. So check there. You have that because they got that Trubisky hasn't been good. And let's be no, honest. No but defensively, they got some of the studs out there. They got Khalil Mack. They got other players too. Uh, <laughs> look, what I'm saying is there's the potential there for an absolute implosion. And I think that that is less egregious for me. Whereas look at the Giants, and I don't see that. They made improvements in the offensive line. They have Barkley. They have an outstanding receiving core. Daniel Jones, when Barkley was playing, was a serviceable quarterback. He turns the football over too much. He led the league in fumbles last year and fumbles lost. That is a problem. But I guess you could also equate that to let's make the offensive line a little bit better so this guy's not running for his life all the time. That would certainly help. But that those two, to me, I I, I think are actually the and, – and the Redskins being a five-win team is crazy too because I don't – Again, if Washington went four and 12, would it be shocking? Five and no. 11, shocking? No. Like, no, but so then I, that's I another team with a quarterback position. Is I, I don't. I position? don't think the bear. I don't think they've given the Bears enough credit. I don't think so. I, I look. I think that the Bears are are not a great team. Would it? If, if you told me at the end of the year that Foles came in and led them to nine wins, I wouldn't be surprised with that either. I would be shocked if the Bears only won three games all year long. Well, who's getting too much credit? We talked about the teams not I getting think enough. The Colts. I think the Colts are getting too much credit here. Eleven and I five. Would, the Colts. I, I, think I, don't, that's I don't know how that happens. I don't. Do know you how think that's that's more a byproduct of their division? 
Well, Jaguars twice. Well, they, well, they have the Texans eight. being okay here at eight and eight. So it's they're not they're basically saying they're not even beating up on their own division. So I don't know where they're getting all these wins from. Well, I mean, I'm sure U.S. They're, they're, they're telling you they're splitting with Houston, and they're telling you they're splitting with Tennessee. Best case scenario, and they're also telling you they're beating Jacksonville twice. That's fine. That's only four wins. They got to get seven more out of out of the division. I'll tell you what, man. I'll tell you the one for me that I keep looking at that I think might be, you know, maybe things are going too well is the 49ers at 12 and four. That's another one too, where if the 49ers became, and you want to say the plus or minus is three, if they were a nine win team. It would not shock me. And, and that I know the defense is very good and I will take it a step further too. the hangover. It's a real thing. Go look it up. Okay. Um, but that's another one where I'm trying to look at the outliers and, and like you're talking about when you look at teams where you say, okay, everything looks like it's going to be X, but we know it never ends up that way. It never ends up like every team we think is going to win a division wins a division. And the Packers are kind of like the default, the saints. I don't think there's any arguing there, the Cowboys, but in the NFC, the one team that I think might potentially lose that division that they're crowned in is the 49ers. And I think they are the most likely of those four to not win their division because I think Seattle and I oh, wouldn't I be shocked at all. I wouldn't I be shocked if Arizona became an upstart team this year either. I don't agree with that at all. I think the North is up for grabs. I think the East is up for grabs. I think certainly you really think the North is up for grabs at the end of the day. I'm I'm Absolutely. the toughest guy on Aaron Rodgers in the world, but why can't I, Minnesota win the division? Because Kirk Cousins always finds a way to lose oh, it. Oh, stop! I mean, I, I absolutely I'm believe Minnesota honest. can. I think Detroit's going to be a surprise too. I. I would I would not rule out anything outside. Look, I don't think the Bears will win the division, but nothing would shock me there. I mean, you're telling me that you're leaving the Eagles for dead already? Like, come on. I'm not I'm leaving just... them for dead, but I'm also not thinking the Cowboys. Are I'll tell you right now, you mark this down of the four of the four divisions. Okay, so there's eight eight divisions in the NFL. I will tell you right now, out of the eight that USA predicted, I bet they get at least half wrong. Well, at all least. right, so pick at your least. four. Uh, I'll say that I don't think it's the, the Chiefs or the Ravens. The Sa- the AFC South. I, I'm, I'm on board with you if that's one of them. NFC North, NFC East, and then they'll get one more wrong. So either the AFC East or NFC West. Well, I, I, I think it's going to be the West, personally. I do. Uh, but would it shock you? Would it shock you if it was the AFC East that they got Not wrong? Not at all. Not at all. It'd shock you if the Patriots won that division it, again. If if New England won 14 games, it wouldn't shock me. If they lost 14 games, it wouldn't shock me. I have no idea what they're going to be this year. No. If they win 14 games with Jared Statham, what does that? Not that you know. Not it that could happen, but they help. could also lose 14. I have well, no idea what they going absolutely on. can. But I mean, I don't think they're. Let's 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 even dial it back. What if they won 12 games with Jared Statham this year? What does that? do for you in your mind of Belichick? Not not that he needs the best coach ever. It doesn't make a difference for me. I mean, are you in that grouping? I don't know if you're in that grouping. I'm in that grouping, but some people still aren't It wouldn't surprise me at all if he made this guy a star. It also wouldn't surprise me at all if three games in, they're one and two, and they go to Hoyer, and they finish four and 12. I I don't know. Does it knock down the quarterback position? It's so unpredictable in the NFL. It is, I mean, just go back and look at every single draft. Everyone had a great draft this year in the NFL. Meanwhile, out of the 31st round picks, 17 are going to be busts. I I don't think everybody had a good draft this year at all. (laughs) I've been very vocal about that. Everyone says everybody had a good draft. All the teams think they have a good draft. Of course they do. Uh, But but the the going back, what if they go 4-12? What does that, does that do anything at all? Uh, 
in your mind to the Belichick legacy? Uh, I mean, not really. Not really. No. I don't think so either. So I think he can only continue to grow it because transition years are transition years. At the end I, I think what would happen if that happened is that he would lose a little control over personnel if that happened. Because clearly he's Belichick is being stubborn and saying that he believes that Stidham is the guy. And if that is proven wrong, then he has to take a hit for that. And he would have to they somebody would have to step in and say, Hey man, like, you know, you could have had Cam Newton, you know, like you could have had I don't know, Winston. <laughs> Speaking of that, you could have had somebody else. It is now May eighteenth. And as of right now, we still don't have Cam Newton. <laughs> Well, he so. can't take a physical anywhere, so that's the No, deal. I know, but I mean, geez. I mean, that's the that's the lone wolf here that could change things, too, if he ends up in a certain spot. I wonder what that does to a win total, but it's, uh, it's yeah, crazy. It would probably be it. a plus one for somebody. Absolutely. Yeah. That may be the only thing to get in on a win total right now. Otherwise, I would other, on an over on a win right, total. Besides I, an I, every, right, besides an I don't understand why anybody would bet an over on an NFL. I'll tell you what. There's another one, too, that would not shock me if the Bucks weren't as good as everybody wants them to be. Just wouldn't right, shock. Right, but again, you know, they have them at 10 and 6. Vegas has them at 9 and a half, 10 Yeah, and that's the problem. One eight, is it a huge deal? Probably not. Um, I just, I don't see them competing. Everybody the thinks Rams, they... That's really not that far off from where they were last year, so I wouldn't say that. Um, I think the Rams... I think the, right I think the rest of them are hovering around the totals. So Is McVay in trouble if the Rams go 6 and 10? Yeah, I think probably so. I think so, too. That's yeah. crazy to think about, isn't it? Couple, just two years ago, they're in the Super Bowl. It, it and is, but, but, but I mean, after watching, this is what is bizarre to me. This is why I'm I'm over on their Bears win the three. I mean, that's crazy to me. But the Colts too. Like, I feel like you didn't watch Rivers play last year. If you give the Colts eleven wins, like, well, he, in all fairness, again, one of the worst great offensive lines of Pro Football Focus was the Chargers last year. In fact, I think were the worst. Yeah, I don't know. That helped. Very, I mean, I'm that, still, I still have very big. Concern. You went from the worst to one of the best graded offensive lines. That's a huge swing. Let's see it. I mean, I, I'm okay. not saying it's impossible, but let's see it. Yeah, I don't think so, but we'll see. All right, uh, coming up next, uh, we're going to hit on a couple of NFL futures. We've got the Ravens that we haven't touched on and the Redskins. That's in hour number two. If you're on YouTube, stay right here and just hit fast forward on the playlist. We got you next right here on Sports Grid. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. 